Welcome back to episode number 49 of the MP Dude. This is Jeff the MP Dude giving nurse practitioners a voice. That is all of our voices, so keep those comments and questions coming. I do appreciate it. So um, email me, jeff at the mpdude.com. You can catch me on Facebook at the MP Dude. Don't forget the the. Um, you can always PM me through the Facebook group. Uh, how else you want to get me? Anyway, you can get me personally through Facebook. That's another way you can get me. So, uh, it's been kind of flat. Same, same. And, uh, not really seeing any new likes and shares and stuff. So, if you guys are bored, share me to some of your pages. If you like what I'm doing, you like like hearing me talk, you like hearing the topics I'm talking about, you gotta let people know about it so that, that um, the feedback keeps coming back to me and so that, number one, it's worthwhile. And number two... To make sure that other people have an opportunity to answer the same, get the same answers to the same questions that you guys have. And uh, to also for my selfish reasons, so I can get information. I'm looking for info too. I want, I want your advice. What am I doing wrong? How do I fix it? That goes for everything in my life, right? Help me with everything. So um, what do we want to talk about today? I, I'm still getting a boatload of questions and comments about contracts. And I'm, I promised I've never used a name, and I won't use a name, so I'm not going to use names. And I won't even change, I'm not even going to use the same situation. I'm going to change the situation and circumstance so that it does show up a little bit different than what um, what you guys have uh, maybe sent to me. So you, you won't even know that it's you I'm talking about. But what am I talking about today? More contract termination, man. You guys just love wanting to break contracts. And But what I'm going to do today is instead of talking about the actual termination of the contract, whether it's legal and whether, um, whether you're going to have repercussions from it and that kind of stuff, what I would like to do is talk about my threshold of when I would recommend or when I would personally consider breaching a contract. And, and where I'm getting this from is on Facebook, I see people all the time saying, you need to uphold your obligations and contracts and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. That's nice and all. Um, and I tend to agree with that in certain circumstances, but that's not for every situation. And so when I see somebody that's clearly got an issue that clearly should not be in that contract at all, and, and um, it wants out, and, and yeah, you need to get out of that thing. Uh, you know, and then I see people say, no, you're a bad person because you're morally not keeping up your deal. And I, and I, I, I just kind of cringe and I'm like, well, that's bad advice. That's really judgmental. <laughs> you know, we're, we're nurses. We're not supposed to be judgmental. Um, you know, I mean, it's hard to do, I guess, but here's the problem. What's the threshold? When do I say, yeah, get out, don't get out. And it's really pretty simple. And so this is going to be a pretty simple show. When I look at the morality of something. I look at my reputation in the community. And I shouldn't say morality because that's not really the right word. But if I look at um, my actions or inactions in the community, if I'm going to be, my reputation is going to be tarnished by that, I will make my decisions according to that. So here's some examples. If I'm in a contract with somebody and I and I promise a one-year contract and I'm three months in and I you know want to breach that contract in that community, I need to ask, is my reputation going to be harmed if I breach this contract and ditch? So 
what's the community is the next question. What's the definition of that? And it could be a couple different things. It could be the community of nurse practitioners that I know in the community in that area of the, of the, of the state or country or whatever, or professional scope. So dermatology or whatever, if that's what I'm doing. And if others in that profession are going to look at me and say, well, that, that person breached the contract after two or three months just because they wanted to make a thousand bucks more a year, that's a pretty crappy move. That's a pretty crappy move. Even if you were to go and do it for $10,000, it's probably a crappy move. If that was the only thing that you were doing it for. Because you did have an obligation and you you know people relying on that obligation. So what you're going to do is you're going to tarnish your reputation within that community. And so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. What are some of the other communities? The medical community in my area of the of the country in Ohio we have collaborative physician. So most of but not all of the hiring um the hiring employers are physicians or closely depend upon physicians. And so if you, you tarnish your reputation with the, with the medical community, now you're screwed, right? You're not going to get another job. You know, people talk. Hey, you know any good NPs? Well, yeah, they were great at what they did, but they flaked out after two months. That's not a good, that's not a good deal, right? So does that ruin your reputation? Yes, yes, it does. And so you have to ask yourself, is what's your reputation going to be if you breach the contract above and beyond the monetary? I mean, monetary is important. Don't get me wrong. If you're if you're going to breach and lose a hundred grand, that's a big deal. That puts you in bankruptcy. That's a that's a no no. Don't do that. But if it means you know breaching a contract and looking like a flake, sorry, I'm driving and breaching a contract and um, saving your reputation, I don't know. I'd breach the contract. If I'm going to save my reputation. Now, what would be an instance where you could have somebody that is uh, about to breach a contract due to um, the negative impact or potential negative impact on your reputation? Say, for example, you go and work for a practice, doesn't matter what it is. And that practice is doing some shady shit. And you don't know that when you go interview there, everything seems on the up and up, everybody's nice, everything seems good, and you find out, wait a second, this isn't good, things are getting done incorrectly, things are shady, whatever, whether it's um, crappy practice procedures and they're you know negligent in their, in their um, committing malpractice, but just not getting caught for it, or are they billing incorrectly or just doing just wacky shit, whatever it is. And you don't know it. And then you do find out when you're there for, you know, a couple months in. You're like, you know, learning the process procedures of the office. And you're starting to see things that just don't add up and things that aren't right. And you start asking questions. And now you've got knowledge. And now you've got this, like, aha moment of, oh, man, this is not good. <laughs> your your aha moment turns into an aw crap moment, right? And you realize that this is not good. And that you, maybe you're new to the area. And you're learning that the reputation of the practice isn't as good as you thought it was and being affiliated with a practice that is of that caliber might ruin your reputation and you maybe you do have an easy out in the in your contract where it's not such a harsh uh, termination section so that you can make it happen with minimal impact financially do you got that one out i don't know maybe maybe you try to institute change in the in the in the practice uh, you, know, you should probably try that first, institute change and make it better and, and address the issues. That, that's the professional thing to do first. 
uh, raise the question, ask why it's being done incorrectly, and move on, and, and see if see if it can you can affect change. And my philosophy in a, in a, in any business that I've ever been in, where I said, all right, I'm out of here, it's the threshold I use is, can I affect a positive change in this environment? And if the answer is no, it's time to go. I didn't even mean to make that rhyme, but it just did. It sounded good, right? You guys can say that one again later to yourselves. I'm not going to do it. So that, that's kind of my threshold is my reputation. Is my reputation tarnished by this or enhanced by this? And, and that's that's the best judgment that I can use to say breach a contract or not. You always have an, a, a right to breach a contract. There's nothing in, in you know written in blood that says you're stuck there for two years or a year or five years or you know whatever the, the, the contract says. But there are always consequences. And are those consequences negative to your reputation or negative to your pocketbook? And so that's the, the, those are the thresholds that I always ask because it's always it's a personal question. And people always want to say, well, my moral obligation is to my contract and I, you know, nothing is more important than your reputation. Exactly. So maybe breaching the contract is more important than, than your reputation of upholding a crappy contract with a bunch of people that do shit wrong. So I, I just I have a hard time with that, and and so I see that advice quite frequently of uphold your contracts at all costs, and I look at this person I'm like you've never obviously had a crappy contract with a crappy employer with a crappy situation, because you might change your tune, <laughs> and I've been there I've been I've worked for some real turd companies in the past not not as a nurse practitioner but as as an engineer for sure. And you get in, everything sounds rosy. You get in there, and it's like, all right, this place sucks, and this isn't going anywhere. And then you say, okay, well, how do we fix it? And you go to the, the people that can affect the change, and they're not interested in it. That's a problem. You're, you're a problem, not a solution in their eyes. And that's when you say, okay, time to go. See you later. Good luck. I wish you the best. Thanks for the opportunity. But you do it professionally. You're supposed to anyways. I'd like to say I've always done it professionally. I faxed a resignation one time. <laughs> Because I was out in the field. <laughs> I was out in the field doing field work. Uh, I don't even remember where it was. Virginia or somewhere. And I was afraid I was going to get cut loose too soon. And I needed my job, you know. And so I uh, was out in the field on my job and used the hotel fax machine and faxed my letter of resignation to my boss. And I called him and said, hey, go pick up the fax on the fax machine so nobody else sees it. So it was kind of a turd move. But he kind of knew it was coming anyways. But that was probably the worst one. One of the worst ones. Anyways, I got stories upon stories about that. But I've learned in time that your reputation is more important sometimes than um, than a piece of paper that says you uphold an obligation or not. So that's my threshold. Now you guys know. You know my trick. But that's a personal one. So, you know, some people want to say, you know what, it is uphold the contract at all costs. And that's their point. They can do that if they want, but not me. If I got a crappy deal in a crappy situation and I look like crap because I'm affiliated with these people, I'm out. Because I do not want to ruin my reputation in the community. And you have to decide what that community is that's most important. Is it your patience? And here's another situation with that. So say you say you do leave and it's in your community and you're going to work down the street at the competitor. And there's no non-compete clause. And so you, you, know, you breach your contract or you get bought out or whatever. And you go down the street and you've got people in the community as far as patients that see you as oh there's that flake that just was here for like a month or two and then left what was his problem well who are they going to ask they're going to ask your former employer so do you think they're going to give you a rave review no 
<laughs> you're gonna ruin. You're gonna tarnish your reputation by flaking out too soon. You can't do that. So uh, you know you gotta you gotta look at who is who is gonna be impacted by this. And sometimes you don't know the impacts. You don't know what the ramifications of a bad decision are until it's too late. So, anyways, that's my recommendation on on um, how to decide when you should breach a contract. When is it appropriate? When is the best time to do it? When 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 does it matter? I guess. So the other one that I, I um, this one came in real fast, and I, I'm I, I'm kind of a top of the pile kind of guy. So if if you just happen to be the last one to email me or send me a message or something like that, I kind of talk about it because it's fresh on my brain. And then eventually I look through all the other ones as I get to the weekends and I'm not getting responses or whatever. And I've got a little bit of a backlog of them. But the top of the pile always seems to get hit first. So you guys that email me or send me comments or questions, you're going to get responses probably sooner than later. Because it's, you know, you're the last thing I saw right before I left the office. So I'm thinking about it. And one of them was, um, it was a follow-up email. And uh, again, I appreciate the kind words. You guys are love nurses. You guys are fantastic. Everybody's encouraging, and it sounds like everybody's liking the show. I'm getting a lot of good feedback. I'm st- I've only had a couple people say I suck jokingly, but I've never had anybody really give me any strong uh, criticisms of you know this. Here's where I think you can do better. So I'm open to those. If you guys think I could do better somehow, let me know. Let me know what you think it is. If you think I'm just not strong on certain certain topics, let me know what those are because I'll I'll start learning. That's that's in, interesting to me too. I want to know what I'm missing. But this one was an interesting one because it was a follow up from a previous one that we talked about, and it was um in in the original issue was it was one thing. It didn't have anything to do with this follow up. But the follow up was how about a topic of you know, what's in your toolkit when you're working? What, what do you use to rely on when you're working as far as your hands-on information? And um, I thought, man, that's a great one because, you know, I could talk about my personal experience of what I use. Everybody's got their own preference. And, and that's where I think your clinical experiences in school will give you a great foundation for what you're going to use when you're done. So students out there listening that haven't started or are starting your clinicals, it's time to realize that you need some good apps on your phone because you're never going to know it all and you're always going to need to look something up. And having a reliable, quick resource is key because you don't have 20 minutes to go look something up on the internet and Google a billion things. You need to go to one place, look it up, see what what the standard is, what medicine you're going to use, what dosage you're going to use, talk to the patient about it, try to get some more history. Excuse me. And then you're going to go from there. And then, so what is it that I use? I'm going to tell you, I, I use two things and then some other personal stuff that's just mine that I've acquired over, over through school. I use Medscape and I use um, EPSS, which is the USPSTF uh, for typical screenings and the well-preventative stuff. And, and I only rely on that every now and then because I know it. Once you do it a couple times... You kind of know EPSS, and you should be doing that in school with your preventative wellness type stuff in one of your clinicals, and so you should be knowing that stuff pretty good. Now, if you haven't done that in a while, if you were in school 15 years ago and you're not using EPSS, I would recommend you do it. Get the app, and you can plug in your, your you know, if they're male, female, if they're smoker, if they're sexually active, and, and their age, and it basically tells you all the screening that's USPSTF, A, B, C, D, E, whatever it is, whether it's recommended or not. And so that's a great tool. So you can you can make sure you're not missing your screenings. Um, 
But again, in primary care, you, you learn those after you, you look them up once or twice and you're kind of like, right, I'm good. I know I got to do, you know, colorectal at 50. You know, it's, that's the recommendation. And, and, and the new breast cancer screenings are at 50 as well, even though the other ACOG and the others are all saying 40. So, I mean, you, you learn that stuff as you go. So EPSS is just kind of secondary for me. I haven't used it in a while, but I do have it on there. And occasionally I'll pull it up and say, I got somebody that's 63 and I can't remember what the screening is for this. I'll pull it up and look and see if I'm missing anything. But the big one I use more than anything is Medscape. I use Medscape all the time. And why did I use Medscape in school? It was free. I didn't feel like paying a fee. I didn't have any money. I was broke. I was broke. I didn't have a dime to put towards anything extra. So I did Medscape, and I'm not going to lie to you. It's fantastic. I, I get enough information in there that I can get um, the background on it. I can get um, uh, what, what you're going to use for differential diagnoses. So am I missing anything else that I'm thinking about in my history? Or, you know, just so I can scan through that pretty quickly. Based upon what the patient's there for, I could pull it up really pretty quickly before I even go in the room and say, okay, here's here's the symptoms that they're having. I'm going to plug in what I think it is right now, get my list of differential diagnoses, and then I can scan through it real quick in, in the two minutes before I go in the room and checking through the patient's chart. And, and it takes me literally a minute to read it. And then I, I've got good history questions that I can make sure I'm not missing anything. So I do that all the time. I do it all the time. I probably do it two or three times a day. And, and that's because of my inexperience. I rely on the crutch. Now, would I probably get close without the tool? Yeah, I'd probably get close. But at least I'm going to get a little tighter history and try to narrow things down uh, or rule out things quicker and not do any unnecessary testing and, and giving meds that aren't really appropriate. So I do that all the time. I love Medscape. Now, you can get some continuing eds with it. Uh, I haven't done that because I'm an AANP member, and I do all my... I get free ones on there. So I just... I have my membership. I take advantage of AANP, and I get my hours and and do it that way, too. So and I'm way over what I need for this year. Um, I mean, I just started. So, I mean, I'm, I'm way over what I would probably need for... I'm, I'm, I get a good start for the next one, but I don't think that much carries over. So... Um, I think I got 30 hours already above what I had from school. So I'm way good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a third of the way, not even, uh, yeah, third of the way from getting my AAMP for five years. So I'm close. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep, I'm learning stuff. The latest one I'm doing on AAMP, this, and this is side note too, is on ADHD. It was fantastic. I, I'm like two thirds of the way through it, and I do ADHD. Like I'll continue meds and stuff for people, and I, you know, I've done a little bit of diagnosing with it, talking to parents about it, and just educating them about like what to look for and things. Um, but it was a, it's a, it's like a 1.3 hours or whatever for CE, and it's fantastic. So I haven't had one CE that was disappointing yet on, on the AANP website. So if you're not a member of AANP and I get nothing for this, but I would say go join. I mean, it's, it was like a hundred and I don't even know. It wasn't even, it was relatively negligible. 150, 200 bucks. I don't even know. I can't remember. Didn't matter. I'm going to get more than that in, in the CEs. So I'm good. I'm, I'm okay with it. Plus you're giving money to our, to our organization. I don't think ANCC is the organization of the nurse practitioners. In my opinion, I think AANP is. So but, but as far as um, apps are concerned, I really don't rely on too many of them. I do, I do uh, the Medscape a lot. I'll do EPSS a little bit. I got one for, because um, I'm kind of into herbals and stuff too, and I grow some. I, I, um, 
I have an herbal app that's not that great, but is anybody taking any weird herbals? I can plug that in there. Usually pretty quick I can come up with what it is and why they're taking it and what, what it can kind of interact with and stuff like that. Um, what else do I use? I don't know. Let me look. I'm going to pull it up on my phone right now as we're talking because I'm recording on my phone as we speak, and I'm pulling it up on my phone. Bear with me. I'm slow. Uh, yeah, I got the contraception one because somebody said it was good, but it's way above my head. I don't use that. I don't use that for contraceptive, but there's a CDC one for that. And I've heard, oh, I use GoodRx all the time too. That's another one I use. I use GoodRx to, if somebody says, well, how much is that, man? I'm like, I don't know. Let's look and see it and see what it is. And I've changed med course because of that in the past. People that have uh, difficulty paying whatnot, I'll not hesitate to do that and switch meds based upon uh, what I'm getting prices. Uh, what else? There was another one. I don't have it, but I've heard it was good. It's the CDC's STI guideline app. Um, I don't think STIs are all that complicated to treat, so I, I just know it. I don't really look at it. I just It's not that big a deal to me. Plus, usually if I'm getting an STI, I'm swabbing, and it's going to come back with sensitivity anyway, so it's going to tell me what to put them on, but I, you already know what it's going to be. So I don't, I don't really freak out about using um, the STI app and I it just to me it's it sounds neat but there's only five or six that I'm really worried about so they're not even four it's not, if you can't remember four things it's they're, they're and we see them a lot in my practice we see a lot of STIs so that's not a big deal um, that's about all I got there's really nothing else that I'm using that's oh uh, my personal stuff I have um, personal uh, OBGYN, OBGYN information that I, that I had from school that was like cheat sheets that was done by this lady that was fantastic. And she was probably one of the best professors at Malone. And she was just a, like visiting, just came for like two or three shows and that was it. Or shows, two or three, uh, classes and that was it. And she, she was fantastic, but she gave out these handouts that were like flow sheets that were fantastic for everything. So I, I use those all the time. And then the only other thing I use is I've got a cheat sheet on all of the um, psych meds. Um, and it's it was from a psych NP that practices like in hardcore psychiatric illnesses. And she came and did a couple classes in my program and she was awesome too. So those are the two things that I keep from school. Everything else was like textbook easy and, and kind of easy to remember. So I wasn't really, I'm not really too stuck on any of the other stuff so that was a good question because everybody always has their own opinion but every now and then it's nice to listen to see what what somebody else is using and as a new np you know i you 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 want a crutch you want some some answers quickly at your fingertips but it's been my experience that the more the more resources you have the more confused you're going to be the more time you're going to spend and the more difficult it's going to be for you to get your get your patients in and out the door in a timely fashion. So I, that's why I like Medscape. It's a one-stop shop, and it gives me a ton of information. It gives me background. It gives me differentials. It gives me treatment plan. It gives me non-pharmacological treatment. It gives me pharmacological treatment. And, um, and it can give you some resources as far as the citations of where they get their information from. And it's really pretty, pretty up-to-date, not to use, quote, up-to-date, because I hear that's good too, but... I'm just too cheap to pay the money for it. So that's what I got. 
if you guys have questions or concerns, ideas, other issues, other things you want to hear about, what I do in certain circumstances, you guys are always welcome to email me, jeff at the npdude.com. You can Facebook me, catch me on there. You can leave comments below the show. You can also listen on iTunes, guys. Those iTunes people, I want to see you... Uh, Drop me a line on Facebook. Shoot me an email. I want to see something. I want to see a message. I want to hear from you iTunes people that are out there. And I'd love to see how many people we're getting on iTunes. I, I have a feeling that a lot of people are doing it. A lot more than I think. And uh, because I'm getting emails and comments on my page um, that are from people that I don't notice their names from, from liking the show on Facebook. So I'm getting, I think, people that don't typically just follow the Facebook crowd. So that's great. I love it. So keep keep uh, listening. Keep sh- spreading the show to your friends. Tell everybody about us. I mean, we need to be a, a, a cohesive unit as far as how we handle things. And um, thanks again, guys. You guys are great. I love, I love this crowd. I love this community. And uh, we'll talk soon.